Welcome to Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietry. Sal, you excited about the program tonight? Ed, tonight's story is a story of a child born in prison, of an angel and an angel tree that held him together. Tonight's guest, Kevin Almestica, was born in Rikers Island Prison 23 years ago. Three days later, his mother handed him over to a woman named Myra Alomar, who raised him until his mother was released from prison. Myra worked with Prison Fellowship, tonight's guests, where she first met Kevin's pregnant mother, Diane. Kevin's parents were dead by the age of 12, and Myra stepped in, raising him to adulthood while also caring for her five other children. Kevin joins us tonight to talk about his experiences growing up and the profound impact that Prison Fellowship and their Angel Tree program has had on his life. We're joined also by Jim Forbes, Director of Communications for Prison Fellowship, who gives us details about what they do, the program in particular, the Angel Tree program. Kevin and Jim, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you so much. So good to be here. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. When we talked, Kevin, on the phone, your story was just simply amazing. And you've been through so much, it's kind of tough to track it all. And I figured what we might do is set the stage by talking a little bit about your relationship with your mom and dad. Yeah, so, you know, growing up, it was actually uh, pretty difficult for me because I didn't really have much of a relationship with my biological mother and my biological father. I actually never got a chance to meet my biological father. You know, he was he was into a lot of uh, difficult and rough things that, you know, my godmother and my biological mother didn't want me to, you know, kind of follow his footsteps. You know, so being that, uh, you know, he actually was uh, a pimp back in the day and, you know, he dealt with prostitution and he sold drugs. He did drugs. You know, my mom didn't want me to, you know, kind of follow in those footsteps. So I, I never really ever got a chance to meet him. And uh, my mother, my biological mother, I actually only can probably say I, I can count on my uh, on my hand the amount of times that I actually physically met her. It was very few times that, you know, I got to see her because of, you know, all the constant difficult situations that arise when I was actually with her. So Myra met your mom. She was volunteering with Prison Fellowship, and your mom handed you over to uh, Myra to raise until she got out of prison. So I'm assuming when she got out of prison, things didn't go too well? Yeah, originally when Myra, my godmother, met my biological mother, Diana, in prison, they had agreed that, you know, when she got out of prison, she would give me back to her when she was straight, you know, so she could raise her child, and I wouldn't have to, you know, be born in the system and you know, have to go through an orphanage and foster care. So when she finally got out of prison, she um, she never really got completely straight. You know, there was times where she was on the right path, but something happened, and, you know, she fell back into uh, prostitution and um, and doing drugs. You know, she, she had a, a drug addiction. So, you know, it was extremely tough for her, but I can remember a time when I was about five to six years old my uh, godmother gave me to my biological mother for about a week and she said you know let's see how this works out and i remember we were in brooklyn in uh, coney island and um my uh my godmother actually had to come and pick me up after uh, after a day and a half because some people had came to the apartment and shot up the apartment you know uh trying to murder my mother at the time you know so my mom had to leave me in the apartment by myself and I was there myself for about a day and a half, didn't eat, didn't drink any water, until my, my godmother was able to show up and, and, and get me. And ever since then, I've never actually got to stay 
with my uh, biological mother for more than a day. So how did how did that weigh on you? You didn't really see your your dad. You didn't know your mom very much. I mean, did did Myra and her husband make up for that, or was there sort of you know difficulties that you encountered because you you knew you weren't with your biological parents? I think growing up it was extremely difficult because I saw you know everyone else's parents you know you know with their children you know and I didn't have my biological mother and father and you know there's a certain connection that you have with that bloodline you know so I didn't really didn't have that but I would say that my godmother and my godfather tried the extreme extremely best to you know give me a better life and treat me like one of their own and raise me the best way that they saw fit so you know in the end of the day I'm grateful and I'm appreciative of what they did for me so my understanding is that, that Myra her husband was actually in prison uh, at some point before you were even born, and so her children, right. her three children, were beneficiaries of the Angel Tree program, correct? Correct. And that's how she yes. got involved with Prison Fellowship. Tell, tell us a little bit about her journey with Prison Fellowship. Yes, so um, a long time ago, my godmother and my godfather, they had actually been, you know, drug addicts themselves. My, my godfather used to do burglaries. He had, he had an extreme, you know, alcohol problem. You know, he first started drinking alcohol when he was nine years old. You know, he was from the Dominican Republic. You know, third world countries, there's a lot of crazy stuff that go on out there. But when they came here to the States, they fell into, like I said, drug addiction. And um, there was a time where he was in prison. And my godmother was, you know, obviously taking care of the children that she had. She had three children of her own. And they became Angel Tree recipients um, during one Christmas time. I actually saw the video of when uh, the gifts came from the volunteers. And, you know, she was extremely remorseful and, and crying and she was happy and grateful about you know that her kids had hope and love during Christmas time even though their father was in prison and I think that kind of changed her life in such a way that she got straight and she stopped you know doing drugs and she stopped drinking alcohol she's been sober ever since and she eventually ended up joining um, the ministry and working for prison fellowship and industry so she's been there for 20 some years hasn't she Yes, she is a seasoned veteran, I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, you became an Angel Tree participant yourself. Um, tell us about the program from your perspective and how this impacts you. You know, the idea of getting a Christmas present that's, that's there from, uh, from a loved one and what you experienced, this sort of great light I could see in your life. Uh, it's sort of almost like a beacon that, that maybe held you together. Uh, through what were these inc incredibly rocky times. Yes, yeah, so even after when I was five or six, after the shootout, and I went back with my uh, godmother, my biological mother actually went back to prison a few times. And um, I remember there was a time I was about seven years old, and it was during Christmas time, and, you know, the volunteers came to the house with these gifts, and they said, you know, these gifts are for Kevin, and they're from, you know, Diana Mexica, and I, I didn't quite understand how that was possible because I knew my mother was in prison. Right. How could she possibly get me a gift from prison to my house? You know, and then, you know, my godmother explained the whole situation and she explained the ministry and what they do and that they worked with Diana to, you know, give me this hope and love during Christmas time. And it, it changed my life because I remember that, you know, looking back, I was like, wow, you know, there, there's hope for my mom. My mom still loves me, even though, you know, she's, miles and miles away in prison and she can't really physically be there for me she's in she's with me through spirit you know so growing up I always always had that with me and later on I actually went and I helped out with Angel Tree and I 
I volunteered. I wrapped presents. You know, every Christmas, my mom would have the basement full of presents, and we'd go to a bunch of different families all over New York and go and deliver the presents, and I'd help her because I really believed in what they stand for. And what did sharing that with other people mean to you? I mean, you saw other children, other families that were going through incredible hardship. I mean, what did that mean to you as a young child helping out in the program? It, I mean, it showed me that, that I relate. I relate to exactly what, you know, they were going through when, when you know, their parents were incarcerated because my parents were incarcerated, both my parents, you know, and when I, when I see their faces and I see them crying, but it's tears of joy, it's tears of happiness, it's, it's hope. It's love, you know, that, you know, they're, they're not forsaking everything that, that's happened to them, even though they're going through hardships, that there's still hope and love for them. And, you know, their parents are still looking out for them, and, you know, they're still close to their hearts. Yeah, and did you go back year after year? I mean, how, how often were you involved with the program around the holidays? I've actually, I would say about four, four different times, so four different years. I went with my mother. When I say my mother, I mean my godmother. Yep. When I went with my mother to, um, you know, deliver these presents, about four different occasions. And I've actually also been to um, some of the camps, the summer camps that Prison Fellowship is affiliated with. I've also met Chuck Colson, who I believe was, you know, the founder or the most uh, important person for uh, Prison Fellowship. I've went to convocations. I've went to uh, plenty of events that uh, Prison Fellowship and Angel Tree has uh, been affiliated with. So how, how old were you when you were helping your mom with that? I would say it was all of high school. You know, when I actually, before I had got a scholarship to go to an all-boys prep school in Queens, and that kind of was the most heartwarming uh, situation for me, and it kind of uh, I basically, you know, paved the way for me. I was like, all right, you know, I did it, I made it, you know, and I wanted to give back. So between the age of 13 to 17, I was doing the most work with Angel Tree and Prison Fellowship. And, and those were some tough years, weren't they? Because when your godfather died, your parents were already gone. And I guess your godfather died when you were 12, correct? Yes. And at that so point, you had gotten this new home, and your, your mom was raising you and five other kids. And that was a tough period of there was some homelessness involved, some violence. Yes. Yeah, so what had happened was originally we used to live, we lived in plenty of bad projects all throughout Brooklyn and Queens. I mean, absolutely horrible. When I say... We used to live on the first floor, and, you know, there was nights that we had to put mattresses up against the windows because, you know, there would be random shootouts, you know, in the courtyard, and uh, bullets would actually fly fly through the windows, you know. So my uh, my godfather would put up mattresses against all the windows, you know, to help kind of protect us. And eventually when, you know, my, my godfather got straight and my godmother was straight and they were doing really well for themselves, we actually... Um, we're able to get a house, you know, through Habitat for Humanity, which, you know, again, is another company that, you know, is also affiliated with Prison Fellowship. And they built us a house in Queens. You know, we got to move out of a really tough area, and things were kind of, you know, looking up. But a year later, my, my, my biological mother had passed away. And then uh, three years later, right before I had received my scholarship to go to high school, my uh, godfather passed away. You know, and that was a tough time because, like I said, my mother, my, my godmother had children of her own. She had three other children that she had to raise, and me, my little brother, and another one of my brothers. And she had to hold a whole house together, you know, also raising a, a child that had cerebral palsy in my little brother. So that was extremely, extremely difficult for her. And, you know, there was times where she couldn't hold it all together. And like I said, we fell to the streets at some points. 
it was a, it was a really rocky road. Yeah, I want to ask you uh, during this time and your time with Myra, uh, how how much the gospel meant to you in that time as a family that was struggling, that was living in these experiences that most people only see on, you know, on HBO or in movies. Tell us a bit about that and how your faith grew during this very difficult time for you. You know, so I've had a really kind of roller coaster ride with my faith because, you know, when I first, first when I was growing up, I, you know, I believed in uh, the Lord and I believed in Christ so much. I went to, like I said, I went to Bible camps. I did a whole, a whole bunch of things. I used to memorize Bible scriptures. And then when my mom passed away, I kind of lost my faith a little bit. But then, you know, as, as I start, started to see, you know, what the Word of God did for me and did for my family, and it, it helped us to stay on the right track, I gained my faith again. And I realized that, you know, my mom always used to say, like, you know, I know we're going through tough times, and I know things are rough, and I know you feel like, you know, this is the end and things aren't going to get better, but, you know, God has a plan for us. He's brought us this far. He's brought you into my life, and it's all for a reason. So I, I genuinely, genuinely believe in that. Just a reminder that we're talking to Kevin Almestica, a young man who lost both of his troubled parents by the time he was nine and who benefited greatly from the love of a woman who took him in and raised him and from the wonderful programs uh, offered to the children of inmates and inmates themselves by Prison Fellowship. And we're also joined by Jim Forbes, uh, Prison Fellowship's Director of Communications. And this is actually a perfect uh, segue to you, Jim. You've been waiting patiently here. A former we, radio and TV guy. Yeah. He's waiting patiently, but he's ready to jump in. No, he's he's, he's going to embarrass us here, and we're going to be out of a job. I feel, I feel at home. This has been a while, and I really I love radio. So thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. Yeah, great to have you here. So give us the basics. Tell us about Prison Fellowship, and tell us about the Angel Tree program, what it looks like, how it works. Okay. First, let me comment on Kevin. He's still on the line, correct? Yes. Yes. Buddy, thank you for doing this. I, I had the blessing. The greatest part of my job is not uh, working in our headquarters out in Lansdowne, Virginia. It's meeting people like Kevin. And I get to go on the thank road. And, so and Well, you know I mean that. And you, you've been an, a huge blessing to me in this ministry. And he's done so much because he knows what how Prison Fellowship helped he and, him and his family. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to say that and thank him again. So I'll see him in a couple of weeks again up in New York. So I don't want to talk about an event that took place when I met him for the first time. But Prison Fellowship has been around 41 years, believe it or not, started by Chuck Colson. Um, and Mr. Colson served seven months in prison. And he found that when he was incarcerated himself, uh, President Nixon's right-hand man, that there were a lot of things that inmates weren't being given or receiving. And when he got out of prison, he thought the Lord had laid on his heart. He became a Christian right before he went inside a prison. And he started our organization, our nonprofit, which now, uh, you know, serves. We have uh, uh, prisons all over the United States. We're in 27 states. Angel Tree, that we're going to talk about tonight, is in all 50 states. Kevin is one of 2.7 million children of incarcerated parents. Wow. And imagine what that's like. We tend to think of, and rightfully so, the victim involved in any type of crime. But imagine the children, like Kevin, of an incarcerated mom or dad and what they go through. We don't, a lot of us don't think that way. And they're lost in this, you know, vacuum of not knowing what to do. They're embarrassed. They don't know how to talk to their friends. You know, they don't know how to talk to anybody. And Angel Tree is one of the, the many programs that we offer that actually 
helps to keep that relationship going. And the way it works is the inmate, the mom or dad who's currently incarcerated, and there are uh, programs all over the country going on right now, and they're about ready to get their gifts here in the middle of December. But they sign up and say, I have a, a son who's 12. You know, I think he would like this red truck. And then those forms come to us. The, we pass out those forms inside of prison through, through our different personnel. We have 11,000 volunteers all over the country. And then once our staff receives those forms, we vet those people and make sure they're, you know, as a 12-year-old in the home. But most importantly, that the caregiver, usually a grandmother or mother, that, that they are okay with the kids receiving gifts from that mom or dad who's incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's not the case, and that's okay. But they're, you know, the, the great majority do, like Kevin, and they appreciate it, and it makes a huge impact on their life. I just talked to somebody. Uh, we had an event just in Columbus, two events actually, one at uh, the Southeastern Correctional Facility in Columbus and another at the Noble County Correctional Facility in Caldwell, Ohio. 600 men in, in the Southeastern Correctional Facility got together and I was there, I, I invited media, media showed up to, to do this, which is quite a tricky thing to, to get arranged inside the Department of Corrections prison. But they showed up and, and imagine what this is like for many of these men seeing their family for the first time in a year. And that's quite an emotional reunion. Yep. And so they, uh, for about three hours, and I hear this a lot, for about three hours, these men forget where they are mm -hmm. because there's decorations everywhere that they make. Um, in this specific uh, correctional facility, they make 150 stuffed bears. They're really nice. And they give them out to the kids. Of all the kids that show up, uh, they're given pizza. They're, and they, they have, you know, we, we create a, a family-type atmosphere where they can really spend some quality time with their kids. And then this thing I really like that, that takes place, they get a family portrait. Ah, that's cool. So then that's the great. family can log onto a website and then get that portrait. And I see smiles that that you can't hide what that means to these men. And and do the men give the gifts to the kids during yes. that gathering? Yeah. Oh, oh that's again. great because yes. then it's them giving it directly to them. That's exactly. Really good. So and that just was one facility out of uh, 428 all over the country. So so, so how many total? Because it's big numbers here. You're doing hundreds of thousands of gifts. Yes. Correct? Last year we served close to almost 300,000 children. This year it'd be about the same. And there are pockets of areas in the country, and that's kind of what my job is if this takes place where the the uh, there are, the need is greater than the churches that get involved because what happens is once those applications are vetted and we decide that this is legitimate and it goes on then to a church who's an angel tree church and they become involved and people in the congregation and it's not always a church but most of the time it is and they'll also get involved and then say okay I, I would like to buy this gift and we've all seen the angel tree trees around with the little angel on it, you pull it off, says Johnny wants a red wagon. And that that's a prison fellowship program. So, And they also get something in addition to the gift, right? Yes. We have, this is the second year we're doing this. Thanks for a reminder of that. Yep. We have a Spanish and an English version Bible, and that also accompanies 
they'll get a card when the present is delivered and they said if you return this card we can give you we will send you a free Bible. And they're so colorful. It's honor from Bibles, and they're, they're amazing. So. so they gave away hundreds of thousands of those for Absolutely, free as well. Yeah. That's so. really cool. You've got to tell us, how did Angel Tree get started? Who was the person that had this original idea? Well, it started in 1982, and her name was Mary Kay Beard. And her story is she was a former – she's no longer with us. She passed away. But she was a former bank robber who went to prison – and she FBI top 10 wanted right list. yeah and she like wow. Mr. Colson realized there was a need mm-hmm. you know because she saw herself what that need was and also the fact that she wanted to remain connected with her children and her mm-hmm. family and what better way to do that than this yeah it's funny when I talked to James Ackerman he told he told me that she's in prison and she sees the parents are just trying to do anything, wrap up toothpaste, uh, right. anything to give as a gift to the kids. Right. And when she came out, she's like, I want to build this program. And you guys came along and you helped her scale it right. to, to a grand level. That's really a cool story. Yeah, what's, what really strikes me, Ed, is, you know, through all this complexity of these relationships, of all these challenges, you know, d- dignity, love, and hope through the gospel just shine through all of this. Yeah. And right. have been persistent in driving this program for, for decades. Let me tell you, you reminded me of something that took place at that prison that I just came from in Columbus. I really thought that this touched me, you know, that they do a live nativity scene. And the men put on, you know, they have different robes and things. And the kids do, too. They get, like a kid will play, you know, an animal or whatever. And literally on the stage of the gymnasium, because they're always held in the gymnasium inside the, the prison, you'll have 60, 70 people up on stage. And then one of the leaders of the program will then read the gospel and the the account of you know Christ's birth, and it's really cool to see that. But th- there's a that's a time when I think they experience that dignity that you're talking about. Kevin, this is a good way to segue back to you because we've been talking about all this good work and it builds and it builds and it builds. And you know, tell us about what you've been doing the last couple years. I understand uh, Myra helped you get a scholarship to a prestigious all boys high school. Uh, you've gone on to get a bachelor's in computer science, play football, uh, college football. You know, tell us a bit about the good news, sort of the the good story at the end of all this. Yeah, so like I said, you know, growing up all throughout, you know, junior high school was a little rocky path. I didn't know, you know, what I was going to do, where I was going to go. And my mom, my like I said, my mom, my godmother, same thing. She um, she found this program in SSP, which is called Student Sponsors Partners, and it's basically a program for um, you know, athletes and uh, athletes that, you know, they have good grades, but, you know, their parents don't don't make a lot of money. So I fell into that, that criteria, and, you know, I went through, you know, several, several interviews, and I applied with, you know, all these different prep schools, and Holy Cross, you know, the first ever all-boys school in Queens, you know, Mr. Genuzzi, my principal, uh, loved that guy dearly. He was like a second father to me. You know, he took me in, and he said, you know, Myra, your son's going to have a school to go to come September. And, you know, they gave me that scholarship when I went on to, I, I graduated with a really high GPA in 3.7. I uh, got a scholarship to go play football in college. I went to uh, Albright College. I played there. I had the opportunity to also go abroad. You know, so I lived in London for quite a bit, for about two years. Um, studied computer science over there, really opened my eyes to, you know, uh, diversity and how smart people are all over the world. But I got to travel a lot. I've been all over the place. I've been to Italy, Rome, France, Spain, Cyprus. Um, it's, it's, it's just been, uh, my life has been a, a roller coaster, but a roller coaster in, in a good way. 
And like I said, you know, nothing nothing would have been possible had it not been for Angel Tree and Prison Fellowship and how they affected my uh, godmother in such a way that she wanted to not only get her life together, but, you know, get straight, you know, join this ministry and give back to, to more children. And, you know, she's affected my life in such a way, and, and now I'm going to give back as well. Actually, this Christmas, I actually sponsored 10 children for Christmas. So 10 children are going to have um, gifts come this Christmas, and they're going to have that love and hope because, you know, I was there for them. That's awesome, man. Way to go. I, I love that story. Uh, look, you know, uh, Jim and Kevin, we uh, we always ask our guests to give a call to action to listeners uh, at, at near the end of the show. Um, Kevin, why don't you go first? Something you'd like all listeners to understand about folks who go through this kind of hardship or about folks who are in prison, and then something specifically you'd like to leave listeners with about the Angel Tree program. Well, I'm going to be really quick. All I want to say that is um, I'm 100% grateful and appreciative for Prison Fellowship and Angel Tree and what they did for my life. And I just want to say that I fully back Prison Fellowship and Angel Tree and what they do for people. And um, I feel like everyone should understand that um, they're here for the long run and they're here for everyone's benefit. And they're, they're out here just trying to make a difference in all these children's lives. Awesome. Jim, you're an old radio guy. In 30 seconds, give us the lowdown. He's got more time than that. <laughs> See, now he's giving This guy's like a soup Nazi here I'm with the going, control of the radio Nazi. Well, this is one of those things when you hear the, the need that, you know, my earlier comment, 2.7 million children have a parent in prison. That's overwhelming. So how can I help? 7,000 churches across the country are doing Angel Tree programs. And it's simply grabbing that Angel Tree uh, slip, looking about what this boy or girl wants for Christmas, going out, you know, and take your family with you and, and make it a family event. And there's other things we do as well. Now we're doing more things year-round. We do Angel Tree camping, and we do Angel Tree sports camps. You can sponsor a kid to go camping. You can sponsor a kid to be in the sports camp. And that simply is by learning more about what we do at Prison Fellowship by logging onto our website, prisonfellowship.org. And just uh, just know that since she started this uh, so long ago, more than 10 million children have been served. Praise God for that. Yeah, and I have to ask you, Kevin, is there anything that you want guests to know about children of prisoners or, or the prisoners themselves? Well, I would say that, um, you know, looking back, we're troubled. You know, we're troubled and we kind of feel lost without that significant other. But when, 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 when these, with these organizations and these ministries, they come in, and you know they sponsor us you know during christmas time and they give us that that love and hope from our families and from my parents that are, that are you know incarcerated it really touches us and they give us that hope back and we're not lost anymore we're kind of found and we know our way because we know that we have that backbone and that security still waiting for us kevin and jim thank you so much we, we love what the angel tree program is doing Listeners want to find out more about Prison Fellowship and the Angel Tree Program, check them out on the web at prisonfellowship.org. A replay of this show will be found at thegraceand30.com and wera.fm websites. It's also on iTunes and Stitcher. Ed, talk us out of this one, man. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.